Well, I've got a couple books of the Bible for us to jump uh, back and forth to today, but um, as, we, as we get there, we're going to, of course, head over to Psalm 23, because that's where we've been the last little while, and Chad, you can throw up that last slide that uh, talks about Psalm 23. In fact, you can even go to the very last slide if you want, it shows the, uh, one of the valleys that uh, maybe might possibly be what David inspired this part of Psalm 23. And of course, this is a bright sunny day, uh, but if you look down in this road, I mean, this is a little bit more of a modern day picture because I don't know if you know this, they didn't have cameras and iPhones in the Bible. And so they can only paint pictures, not take them and email them and such. So, um, but uh, you just imagine this might possibly have been the valley David was thinking about in the book of, or in the poem, rather, the Psalm uh, 23. And so we're going to read that together in just a minute. But as, uh, as we kind of just enjoy that nice picture of uh, Israel up there, um, let me just say uh, hi. It's good to see you. You're a good looking bunch. And to turn to your neighbor and say, you look good this morning. And if you're married, turn to that person and say, you look good this morning, wink, wink. No, okay, don't have to do that. If you want to be married, no, sorry, okay, don't, uh, won't go that far. But uh, I don't know if I've told you this, I probably have because I say it often, but I'm honored to be here today. I'm honored to be your pastor. I'm honored that uh, this gets to be my church, and uh, I get that we get to uh, be partners in the gospel together. And uh, this past week, as uh, as I was away, I um, heard some good presentations, heard some boring presentations, went to a graduation, which was also good, boring, and required patience as well. And uh, it was so amazing to just celebrate uh, the new grads that are heading off into ministry uh, last Saturday. And uh, what a what a cool moment to be a part of as we celebrated the grads from Master's College and Seminary. And, um, and then I had a couple, a couple meetings earlier this week and uh, just some inspirational, uh, biblical, theological, uh, just Holy Spirit-led moments as well. Uh, just inspiring the leaders across Western Ontario, our leaders of churches across Western Ontario, to um, just hear their heart, hear God's heart really for lost people. And just saying, hey, we, we recognize today that uh, there are many people in our communities that are far from God. And as pastors, uh, he's called us to help you as the church reach people that are far from God. And so what an honor it is that I get to partner with you as the Holy Spirit works through us as his church to reach those who are far from God. And so may the words that come from the Bible today, the word of God, may they uh, speak to us, encourage us, help us maybe through our own valley, our own struggle. But maybe they would just uh, give us a little bit of ammo, a little bit of resource to help maybe somebody else on their journey through this life. And maybe someone that doesn't have hope in Jesus today, uh, you'll have something to share with them to help them through some of their deepest, darkest moments. And uh, this is, I think, when the church shines, or at least is when it should, is when people People go through really hard times because uh, no matter what we face, no matter what dark valley or the darkest valley, no matter what we face, uh, God will always see us through, whether in this life or the next. And we trust that uh, God is with us always. And so, God, today we just lift up your word, Lord. May it ring true to our ears this morning. May it inspire us. May it fill us up. Lord, may it give us the tools, the resources, Lord, that we need just to help those that are journeying through the difficulties of this life. Thank you, O God, that you take us as imperfect people. Lord, you make us whole again. You transform our lives. You transform our hearts. You transform our minds, Lord, to make us more like Christ. God, would you continue to do a great work in us and continue to do your great work, your good work in us, Jesus. And we, in your name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. Well, like I said, it's an honor to be here. Let's read Psalm 23. If you don't know it by now, um, uh, keep coming back to church because we're going to read it just about every week. Uh, by the way, heads up, moms, in case you forgot, next week is Mother's Day. And so husbands and fathers, if you have young kids, this is your reminder to help them get something for mom. If you are a kid, your mother's alive, this is your reminder. Mother's Day is next week. So we will... Uh, Shift our focus a little bit. But this week we will read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters or quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. I mean, just love those moments of refreshing. I don't know about you, but uh, after a long, busy week, I didn't realize this as I was... Uh, Flying home, I had a bit of a busy week, kind of like, I never sleep as well when I'm not with my wife or when she's away, and, and so I always end up with like late nights and early mornings, and I was just kind of tired, and I got on the plane, and I'm just kind of, I just, I'm always, and it's, it's no strange thought that my kids are always singing, especially Mackenzie. She's like, you hear her belting out the moment she wakes up, hear her singing downstairs. I'm the same way, and so I find myself just singing this moment of praise as I'm just kind of in the middle of my tiredness and humming it. I'm walking through like Union Station in downtown Toronto, singing and humming away to myself. And I thought, I don't know how loud I am. Maybe people aren't quite looking at me yet, but it's Toronto. There's weird people there, so I just fit right in. And so maybe that was the issue. And then I realized I'm sitting on the airplane, and I'm just humming away. And then I didn't quite realize how loud I was humming on the plane, and it was kind of this moment where the engine kind of just got a little bit quieter, and I was still kind of humming at this louder volume, and the guy kind of next to me looks over, kind of just giving me this little bit of a strange look, but trying not to look over and give me a strange look. All that to say, these moments of praise bring great times of refreshing. They bring great times of peace to my life. That's free. That's not in my notes this morning. But I just love those quiet waters, those moments of refreshing of my soul. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley where we're going to camp out today, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You provide or you prepare for me a table in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And this is the best part, because no matter what situation you find yourself in, good, bad, or great, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? Forever. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Forever, without any end. You better have patience, because forever is a long time. But it's a good place to spend forever. In the house, in the presence of the Lord. Now, I really pray that on Sundays when you come, and beyond Sunday, but when we gather together here in this place, that you get to experience the presence of God together. Maybe it's in a physical, tangible way. Maybe it's in a, just a voice. Maybe it's just something that stands out in the word that is preached. But I want when you leave here today or when you turn off your phone or whatever online watching, that you will go, I met with God today. And I, I put it a little bit on you. If you haven't met with God yet, then I would just, in the stillness of your voice between you and him, you don't have to close your eyes. You can if you need to. Just say, God, I'm here to meet with you. And if I haven't met with you yet, God, I'm still waiting. And I would encourage you to do that today because I believe that forever is already here and we can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, I don't know about uh, all of your stories, 
But uh, I've walked a couple of dark valleys in my life, but I, I, I have a hard time with this one because I have a relatively, okay, I have a very strong optimistic perspective on life. I'm a very strong, like I'm very positive all the time. Now, I don't know if you know this, just being positive isn't enough. Um, I think having the right posture and attitude of, of thankfulness, of thanksgiving, of gratitude, I think that is enough and it's important. But just being optimistic, just being, well, if you just speak positive things, then things will be okay. I don't believe that to be true. And, and I think, because I am such an optimistic, positive person most of the time, I have certainly my moments of negativity, but... Um, the darkest valleys don't always seem so dark. And what I've learned is that the reason is not because of my attitude of positivity and the words of positivity, but because of my posture of gratitude. I believe it's a posture of gratitude. Because in those moments of gratitude, when you're having the worst possible season of your life, walking through the deepest, darkest mud that you've ever walked through, wondering if you're ever going to see the sun again. So I was like, great, maybe going to southern Ontario, it'll be warm and I'll see the sun. I was wrong. I got to southern Ontario, it was rainy, it was cold. The only difference was their grass was green and people were cutting their grass in the rain. I didn't see the sun for days. I had this rental car. It had a little sunroof in there. And at one point, driving down some, so I put it on Google like to get to the place where meetings were. And, you know, it, it's, it said, avoid toll roads, avoid ferries, and get me there the fastest way possible. And so it was taking me down all of these back roads, all these dirt roads. And I thought it was great. And it was fabulous. And so at one point, the sun, like the rain just stopped and the sun peeked out of the clouds. And I opened up the sunroof and this rush of cold air came in. But I didn't care because the sun was finally shining. It was a glimmer of hope and weary, dreary rain, April showers do not bring May flowers. It brings May and makes it insane. Anyways, that's a poem I wrote for you this morning. But there's moments where we're just waiting for the sun to finally shine. And I realize it's not just about speaking and being positive, but taking a posture of gratitude. And it's out of that posture of gratitude we realize that we have everything that we need. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. In the deepest, darkest valley, the Lord is my shepherd and I'm thankful. And we take this posture of gratitude. And I believe it's this posture of gratitude that helps get us through the deepest, darkest valleys. Now, I've, uh, I've walked with some of you on some of your journeys, and some of you I haven't, at least not yet. And maybe you haven't been through a, a deep, dark valley, and uh, you're just getting ready for one. I hope not. But uh, we, we know that we grow best in the valley, not on the mountaintop. Um, the mountaintop is great, but we, things don't typically grow on top of the mountain. They grow in the valley. Talk about a missions market coming up or a pop-up market. Our admissions team is going to be there. We're going to sell those fruits and vegetables or vegetables. And uh, is that Sarah that's coming for that, by the way? Danielle. Okay. I, I, I took a guess out of all the nieces and nephews that Nancy has. So I bet Danielle does not climb a mountain and plant her vegetables on the mountain because she would have a very minimal, if nothing, harvest to sell to the good residents of the North Shore. It's the work in the valley that grows the best crops. And uh, where Magna lives, not too far from her, is the, um, I just lost it. Didn't write it in my notes. The, uh, the very good fertile farmland that's there um, outside of Newmarket, between Newmarket and Holland Marsh. Thank you, Magna. You're amazing. 
some of the best growing area in all of the world, if not for sure Ontario. Holland Marsh is some of the best soil for farmers all around. But it's hard work getting through the mud of the valley. And so I, um, I believe that all of us are given, um, given opportunities for gratitude, if we could be very positive about our valleys today. And I believe uh, as we follow Jesus, as we declare through our valleys, the Lord is my shepherd. And we hold on to his hand a little bit tighter, a little bit tighter, a little bit tighter. It's kind of like when, you have a, when you're on an airplane, because, you know, I have to talk about an airplane. It's scary after all. And you sit there, and uh, maybe you get some turbulence. You don't like flying very much, or you've never done it before. And the plane just starts to shake, and you kind of grab the hand of the person next to you, or you grab that armrest just a little bit tighter. I had this experience landing in Thunder Bay on uh, Wednesday night. And so... We came around the city, landed on runway seven, and we're coming in nice and slow. Kind of, I was actually, I was actually saying to myself, "This is a very smooth, nice landing. Just, just uh, like this is like almost textbook." And every time I'm on an airplane, I'm always taking pictures out the window. I'm always looking and taking a video. And this time, I said to the guy next to me, "We had this great chat the whole flight." And uh, the flight attendant, we're sitting right in the front row. The flight attendant is sitting in front of us, looking like towards us and the rest of the plane. And as we're coming into Thunder Bay, I'm like, I got so many pictures of landing in Thunder Bay, so many videos, I don't need another one. So I put my phone away. And wouldn't you know it, this is the one time where something exciting starts to happen. We come in to land into Thunder Bay, and just as the wheels touch the runway, all of a sudden I hear the engine spool up and power up, and we start to take off again. And I got really excited because I like airplanes, right? And I'm like, I know exactly what's going on. And I said... Oh, we get to do a go-around. I never get to do a go-around. It's been so long since I did a go-around. And all of a sudden, you can hear the silence of the plane, like, get even quieter than it already was. Because people are like, why aren't we landing? What's wrong? What's the problem? You can just almost feel the tension in the air start to, to build. And, of course, the flight attendant is looking at everybody. And as she looks at the reaction of everybody, you can see the reaction on her face change as well. And I'm just sitting there in the front seat looking at her. This is really exciting. Like, how often do we get to do this? Like, isn't this amazing? I wonder why we have to do a go-around. And she gets on the phone, and she's talking to the pilot. She's like, okay, 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 yep, okay, yep. Okay, and then she's like, yeah, I guess the conditions weren't good for landing. I mean, it was like this perfect calm night, so who knows what the problem was. But here I am, really excited, super optimistic, overly positive, thankful that I get to go on a go-around because you never get to do that. And then I'm sad that I didn't record the whole thing. All that to say. But it's these moments of, of gratitude that help, I believe, get us through these intense, uncertain, difficult Moments. Now, I don't want to pretend like everything's okay when everything is not okay. And we're going to talk about that at some point. I don't know if it's today or, or another week, where we just simply embrace our position. Don't want to pretend, don't want to ignore that we're not going through a hard time. Don't want to ignore that a life is falling apart. Don't want to ignore the fact that it feels like life is falling apart. Everything we've worked for maybe is just crumbling beneath our eyes and there's nothing we can do about it. I don't want to pretend that, does, that doesn't exist because that's not gratitude. It's saying, God, in the middle of all this, I'm going to be thankful for your goodness. And so I, I believe that the next step after gratitude is to tell somebody about it. And so one of my favorite verses, I actually preached this message last week. Not this, today's message, but this verse last week. Uh, from Psalm 107. And I want to just focus on part of it today. It says this, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. It's really easy to say that on, uh, on a good day. 
hey, the sun is shining, the kids are raking my yard, it's not going to cost me a lot of money, I don't even have to pay them if I don't want to, it's a good day. You should pay our youth if they're going to rake your yard, by the way, they'd appreciate that. But uh, you could be out fishing on the boat, and, and the fish are biting, the sun's shining, it's nice and warm, you jump in the lake to cool off, and you just go, this is a good day, the Lord is good. What happens, now I think the fish bite better in the rain, but what happens if they're not biting in the rain? You're sitting in the boat, it's freezing cold, and uh, the waves are crashing over the boat, and you get there with the rod, and you're just not catching a thing, and you go, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. I don't know if you've ever been there before, I have. Um, It's really easy to say this verse on a good day. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures forever. So if you don't have a reason to give thanks, it's because his love endures forever. Message for another time. But here's the part I want us to pay attention to. Verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands from the east, the west, the north, and the south. Now it kind of goes through a number of different places that people of Israel were lost. But let's jump down to verse 16, or sorry, verse 10 of Psalm 107. It says, um, some of the people, some of them sat in darkness. Not just in darkness, it says in utter darkness. Prisoners suffering in iron chains. Now, uh, we sang the song this morning, I Thank God. And we talked about breaking off chains and walking in freedom and singing in freedom. And, and we've sung these songs before. We talk about raising a hallelujah. And, and uh, praise is the weapon that forms against the enemy. And, and all of these things. And it says they sat in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because... They rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Just imagine. So this is, this is kind of the picture of the darkest valley. So there's four groups of people. They're scattered around the earth. They're not in the promised land that God had promised them. And all because of their rebellion. Right? When we walk away from God, we walk away from the protection of God, we walk away from the provision of God, but we actually never walk away from the love of God because his love is greater than our, than our sin. And it brings us back into all of these places of protection. And we're going to answer the question, well, what if I love God and he loves me and he doesn't answer my prayer? We're going to get to that in just a few minutes as well. Don't want to ignore that reality because sometimes life is just hard. But this was an intentional rebellion against God, an intentional separation from God. If you want to read a story about intentional separation from provision, from love, from joy, from peace, from all of these things, go read the story of the prodigal son. Because he knew what it was like and he knew what it meant to have everything that he ever needed. To have everything that he ever wanted, and yet he still felt like he wanted more. And so he rebelled against his father, separated himself from his father's provision, and left home. And it's an amazing story of reconciliation is he came back in his brokenness, having absolutely nothing, coming in this posture of humility back to his father. But this is the picture that we can kind of um, put in our minds of what Israel was experiencing. As they stepped out of their faith, they stepped out of their relationship with God, and they decided, God, we don't need you anymore. We're going to do this thing called life on our own. We'll be okay. And it turns out they're not okay. And it said some, one of the groups sat in darkness, in utter darkness, alone, in bitterness, in chains, because they rebelled against 
God. Now, this is the second group that is talked about in this psalm, and it says that they walked through the shadow of death. They literally walked through the shadow of death. They suffered as captives, likely as forced laborers for a foreign king, foreign government. And they were taken prisoner by somebody else, forced to work for somebody else's dream, forced to build the dream house of somebody else, forced to build the future for a generation that was not their own children, forced to be slaves to a foreign power. They did not live in the freedom that they once knew. And I believe this is where many of us have found ourselves if, before we found Jesus. We worked for somebody else's kingdom. We, we found ourselves as slaves to sin. We were not living in the freedom that Christ had won for us. And I don't know about you, if you've ever had a habit, good or bad, those habits can be hard to break sometimes. And there's moments where it takes physical will, but it also takes a, it takes a supernatural intervention to break those sinful habits in our lives. Because it's not just a physical hold on our bodies. Now, the, let's talk about an addiction for a minute. Your body physically craves that addiction when it's experiencing that. But there's also the spiritual pull that exists. Not only are you fighting against a, a physical addiction that your body is craving whatever it is you're addicted to, but there's a spiritual pull that is on your life and on your heart that is taking hold and captive of who you are. And there's only one person that can break that spiritual hold, and his name is Jesus. And it's why we celebrate him at Easter. It's why we celebrate him every Sunday morning. It's why we talk about him all the time. Because he is, he is the one who brings us true freedom from sin. And when we walk in darkness because of our sin, he is the one who sets us free. And it's a very simple process to get out of the darkness and step into the light when we walk into darkness because of our sin. The simple process is this. We're simply going to confess our sin to the Lord. We're going to turn the other way and we're going to walk towards the higher things of God. It's really that simple. This is what we're all about. I am not who I once was. I am somebody new because of Christ. I have turned away from the evil that is over on this side of the room, and I'm going to go to the high things of God on this side of the room. Frank, you're not evil. Brenda, you're not evil. Greg, you're not evil. Greg, you're not evil. You're just the representation. You once were lost, now you're found. Welcome to the family, guys. Now, when you're walking in darkness, and this is, this is kind of funny about the song that we sang this morning. Um, it says, oh no, you never let go through the calm, through the storm. Yes, I can see a light that is coming. Now the people that I joke about, when you're walking in darkness, the only light they see is the light at the end of the tunnel. And if you know that expression, that light leads to, of course, ultimate death. But there's another light that exists if we choose to see it. And of course, I said it already, his name is Jesus Christ. If you don't believe me, John 8.34 tells us that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And if you've read any of the Bible, any time the Israelites became slaves, so like the first time they became slaves, they became slaves in Egypt. And they couldn't save themselves. No matter what they did, no matter what kind of conversations they had, they could not save themselves from slavery. What did they need? They needed a savior. And so what did God do? He provided a man named Moses. And he provided Moses with friends and brothers to, to help him. And he provided miracles. And God intervened in a supernatural way to save the Israelites from slavery. And time and time and time and time, he does this again and again and again and again. And why did he do that? You read throughout Exodus and you read through this whole story of Moses. 
And it's as Moses is calling, or as God is calling Moses into ministry, God says to Moses, I've heard the cries of my people, and it's time to set them free. And so when you're walking in darkness because of your sin, I want you to know something this morning. I want you to know that the Lord hears your cry for help. If you're wandering in darkness, you don't know where to go, you don't know where to turn, turn to the Lord because he can hear you when you cry out to him. If you don't believe me, read Psalm 107 again. Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So not only did they rebel, turn away, just want completely nothing to do with God's plans at all, they actually despised his plans. So it wasn't enough just to walk away. They're going to walk away and they're going to throw stones as they walk away. They're going to burn all the bridges. We're never going back. Making fun, mocking, laughing. Then this is what happened. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Oh, now he seems very appealing. Oh, now he seems like a good idea. Maybe that whole rebellion thing didn't work out very well. And so now where do they find themselves? They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And this is why we take the posture of gratitude in every situation. Because as they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, he saved them from their distress. If that's not good news, everybody, I don't know what is. If that's not good news, I don't know. I don't know what else to tell you. Because when we call out to the Lord, the word tells us all who call in the name of the Lord won't be despised, won't be cast away, won't be put into darkness forever. He says they will be saved. They called out to the Lord in their darkness and he saved them. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. I've I've mentioned this quote like three times now, but I'm going to say it again. Winston Churchill, World War II, says, when you're going through hell, keep going. When you're going through the deepest, darkest valleys, when you're walking through the, the valley of the shadow of death, David said, he's going to fear no evil, for you are with me. A few weeks ago, Elizabeth kicked us off on this, on this series of the valley, and she said, even though, even though, even though, even though this, even though that, regardless of situation, however you find yourself, regardless of situation and how you got there, God is our deliverer. God will save. There's another story of a prophet in the Bible, a minor prophet. doesn't mean he wasn't as important as the other. It just means that we wrote less about him and we know less about him. But he doesn't make him any less of a prophet. Uh, his name is Habakkuk. And uh, he asked this question, and we're going to look at this over the next couple of weeks. Um, as we try to find hope in the valleys, we try to find hope in the darkest and all of these things. Habakkuk is, is an interesting prophet because Habakkuk, uh, typically, the, typically the prophet was, was the voice of God to the people. So God would want to say something, share something. He would speak to the prophet. The prophet would stand up in front of the people and go to the king, go to the leaders, and he would share what God had, had put on his heart, put on his, uh, the, not just share what he had, his own mind, share the words of God to the people. Habakkuk was a little bit of a different prophet. He was kind of like the backwards prophet. 
Instead of God speaking to Habakkuk to the people, Habakkuk was the voice of the people to God. Very interesting place to find himself in. And he lived about 600 years before the birth of Christ, and he was this different kind of backwards prophet. Now, God's people in Judah had been blessed. There was a number of corruptions. There was declaration. And instead of prospering, they were hurting. They were broken. They were in, prop, in, in poverty. And Habakkuk unleashes on God about 2,600 years ago from today. And I think Habakkuk is asking questions that many of us have probably asked, might possibly ask in the future, or know somebody who is asking this question. Why doesn't God seem fair? I know, God, you could do something about this, but you're not, and I don't understand. God, I'm in the deepest, darkest valley. I know that you can save me. I've called out to you, but how come you don't hear me when I pray? How come you don't answer me when I talk to you? How many parents have said that to their kids? How many kids have said that to your parents? Never mind. Can I play with this? Silence. Can I do that? Silence. So we turn over to the book of Habakkuk, chapter 1, verse 2. And this is the words of Habakkuk. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? How many have prayed that prayer before? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Well, Gary, didn't you just say all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved? Those, those who call on him, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. I did just say that. But there are seasons where we ask these questions and we see all the evil around us and we go, God, if you could do something about this, how come you don't? It says he received a prophecy. The Hebrew word, it is meant as an utterance. It means doom. It means burden. It's not just a prophecy. It's a dooming prophetic word. It's a burden. It's a weight. He receives this word of doom and gloom and burden. He goes to God on behalf of the people. And he asks the question, verse 2, How long, O Lord, must I call out for help? But you do not listen. Many of us have prayed, and I've, I've probably prayed this prayer and probably didn't need to because I'm just, I hate being ill and sick and discomforted. But God, how come you don't do what I'm asking you to do? Sometimes we pray for people. We pray for healing for them, and they don't get healed in the way that we prayed. Now, we could spend a whole series on this, I imagine, of why God doesn't heal when we pray. And we could also do a whole series on why God heals when we pray as well. But we've all asked this question, how come you're not doing what I'm asking you to do? And the beautiful picture about Habakkuk is that um, he's about as real as real gets. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. He's real, he's raw, and his name tells the story because his name actually means to embrace, to wrestle. Like as if God didn't know what kind of position he would be in as a prophet. Habakkuk means to embrace and to wrestle. And he's doing everything he can to embrace who he knows God is. But because of what he sees, it doesn't line up with what he believes. 
what he sees doesn't line up with what he believes. So he's wrestling with God. He's embracing the truth that God is good, that God is a deliverer, that God is a redeemer, that God is a healer. God is someone that's going to restore and make everything whole. But at the same time, everything he sees in front of him, you guys are the dark side today. Everything you see over here is the injustice, the poverty, the ruin, the destruction, the darkness. And he stands in the middle holding these two tensions together. God, why are you not doing what I know that you can do? He's embracing the fact that God is good. And he's embracing the fact that there is evil in front of him. And he stands in this space. Now, this is not a sitcom of a, of a book of the Bible. Because if you watch a sitcom, you know, all the group of people get together, something is good, then some, there's some sort of problem, and in 30 minutes or less, they resolve the problem, unless it's a special two-part episode, and they go about their lives, and everything is good, and everything is fine. But life is not always good, and everything is not always fine or resolved in 30 minutes or less. Some things aren't resolved in 30 days. Some things aren't even resolved over 30 Years. Sometimes in life you lose your job and you don't get a better one. Uh, you don't get another one for a long time or at all. You're highly educated, but you get a job way below your education. Um, maybe you think you have a good marriage. You really love your spouse and your spouse betrays you. Your spouse doesn't, doesn't own what your spouse did and blames you for what happened and leaves you and you're all alone. Sometimes in real life, you're, you, you love your life and then you get sick and the doctor gives you that diagnosis that forever changes your life forever and you're not as well as you thought you were. You go to war, you do everything you can, but somehow God just doesn't heal you. And you thank God and you praise God. And maybe it goes away for a while and you celebrate that recovery and then a few years later it comes back and you go, I just don't understand. Why is this happening? You're wrestling with the evil in front of you, but you're trying to embrace the goodness of God. And then, of course, some well-meaning Christian comes along and says, Brother, sister, they put their arm around your shoulder and just trust the Lord. Just, just trust the Lord. And you don't want to hear that in those moments, right? I mean, it's true. Just trust the Lord. But you don't want to hear that. Then we say dumb things like, well, God won't give you more than you can handle. Yeah. Don't say that out of context. There's, there's a very specific context in which that is said. When someone's going through a hard time, don't say, that's not helpful. That's not helpful. But even when someone gives us something good and something positive, something to be thankful for, in those moments, we really don't want to hear it because of how we're feeling. We're wrestling. We're embracing, yes, God is good. I'm going to trust him. But at the same time, I don't know the way forward. God doesn't feel good in this moment. Because you know he can do something and he hasn't done it yet. It's a tough place to be, tough spot to be in. And we don't understand why, and I'm not about to tell you why this morning, by the way. Habakkuk, this is how he feels. He's asking this question. Verse 3, why do you make me look at all of this injustice, this wrongdoing? Why do you make me tolerate the destruction in front of me? The strife, there's conflict, it abounds. The law is paralyzed. Justice never prevails. There's a lot of people hurting, even in our own Canadian society today, who goes, we've experienced a great injustice and nothing ever changes. Why does nothing ever change? In other words, Habakkuk says, God, I don't really think you're doing what is right. God, I don't really think you're doing what I think is fair. So what are his problems with God? Well, 
He seems to think that just God doesn't care. What you are doing doesn't seem fair. And I just want to let you know, it's okay if you, if you question God today. Because there's moments where things don't seem fair. It's okay to question God. He can handle it. Uh, in those moments, though, we tend to have a crisis of belief. We ask questions. If you're so good, why am I here? I don't even know if you're involved. I don't even know, God, do you even care about me as I walk through this deep, dark valley? And, of course, I said we can't just ignore the bad things. Oh, we'll just pretend that that never happened. It's like uh, when I was little. We lived in this rental house. And I had free reign of the basement. It was an unfinished basement. There was a little bit of drywall on the one end, drywall on the other end. And um, I thought it would be fun to have... Uh, I had tools in the basement. And I shouldn't be surprised that my son gets into trouble because I had, I had a hammer and some screwdrivers, some cars. And I, I decided that um, uh, we, did a, we did a play at church called Christopher Church Mouse. And I thought, well, if there's a church mouse, there could be a house mouse. And if the house mouse is here, he needs a home. And so I decided that I was going to make a home for the house mouse. And, of course, mice live in the walls, so he needed a door to his home. And so I smashed a hole in the bottom of the wall for the mouse to have an entrance to his house. And my mom would call down from upstairs, Gary, what are you doing down there? Oh, nothing. Just hit my hammer on the wood that you gave me. And there was this series, well, of course, you go to school and you learn about fire safety plans and what's the, what's the emergency exit closest to you? What's the alternate exit? We do fire drills. And I came back home and I get downstairs and I go, well, my mouse house doesn't have a back door. He just has a front door. So I better put a hole in the other part of the wall so he has a way to get out. And so, bam, another hole in the wall. Well, then I learned, I don't think I'm supposed to put holes in the wall. And so I had free range. I could do whatever I wanted to do in the basement as long as my mom could get to the washer and dryer on the other side of the room. And so it was not uncommon for me to change around the old furniture down there and move the toy boxes around, all of this stuff. And so exactly what I did was I, I moved the bookshelf and the couch over. You could no longer see the holes in the wall. Well, a couple of years go by, and my mom buys her first house. And we move out of this house, and I came in from outside. And my mother is downstairs, and she calls me downstairs and uh, I can tell by the tone of her voice, this is not a pleasant moment. And I have no idea what I'm walking into when I get downstairs, because it's long gone. I've forgotten all about this stuff. And as soon as I walk down the stairs, she's standing at the side of the wall, pointing at the holes in the wall, and asks me, and instantly, of course, I remember. And of course, by this time, this was like years had gone by, I really don't have a good excuse as to why I put holes in the wall. I can't tell her I put holes in the wall for the house mouse because the church has mice because we did a Christmas play of mice and they have a hole in the wall and that's their home. That was not going to fly very well. And all I had done was cover it up and pretend that it never existed and it came back in the worst way possible. Now, thankfully, the landlord was very gracious and I tell that story now to say this. That we can't just deny our past. We can't just pretend like things have never happened. We can't just hide it up and cover it up because that's not even what Jesus does. No, he brings all of our sin and our darkness and he brings it into light. And then he washes us clean, makes us white as snow. And he makes it as if nothing ever happened. But he doesn't ignore it. He deals with it. He restores us. 
He takes me from the miry clay that you find in the valley, and he sets your feet upon the solid rock. We call out to God in your darkness because of your sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to set our feet upon the rock, to make us whole again, white as snow. We're going to pick up this series of walking through the valley next week because there's a lot more to Habakkuk, I think, that we need to explore than what I've shared with you today. But in your moments of darkness, if you're ever walking with someone through darkness, don't just, you know, you can hold them, embrace them. Take the name of Habakkuk of wrestle and embrace and say, look, I don't know the journey that you're going on today. Or maybe you've been where they are and say, I know the journey you've been on today. We're going to call out to God, and then we're just going to embrace the fact that God is good, but we're going to wrestle with the fact that we're still in the middle of the valley. And I'm going to sit with you, I'm going to stand with you, I'm going to walk with you until we get you out. And if you are alone in the valley, say, God, I don't understand the injustice that I'm experiencing. I don't understand the unfaithfulness. I don't understand the darkness. I don't understand the pit of despair I find myself. And time's up, Gary. Get on with it. But God, I'm going to embrace your goodness. And God, I'm just going to trust that you're going to see me through this one way or the other. Through death in this life and eternity in heaven, or I'm going to see this through to the other side. I'm going to wrestle and I'm going to embrace. I'm going to wrestle and I'm going to embrace. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. Thank you for holding on to us, Lord, even though we at some point in our lives, have let go of you, have turned our backs on you and rebelled against you. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness to forgive us, your faithfulness to love us no matter what. Lord, I thank you that there is nowhere we can hide, nowhere that we can run, that your love won't find us, that won't catch up with us. And I'm thankful, Lord, that even if we don't feel it, even if we don't see it, even if we don't hear it, we don't see the end yet. We know and trust, oh God, that you are good and that you are faithful and that you will see us through to the end. God, I pray for those walking through the valley, Lord, whether in this room, whether online, or whether someone we, we, that is not even connected to us now, someone in our community, oh God, that is just walking through a deep, dark valley. They have nowhere to turn. I pray that you would send us, oh God, to be a point of light, a point of hope for them. Lord, if someone comes to our mind right now, someone that just needs direction, that needs hope, I pray that you would... Continue to put their face and their name, Lord, in front of us, that we would never give up praying. Lord, I think of your, your verse in Thessalonians that says, pray without ceasing. I don't even know if it's Thessalonians, but it's, yeah, Thessalonians 5. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks in all circumstances. God, would you help us to never stop to never stop embracing you as we wrestle with the uncertain questions of this life. God, we give thanks to you for you are good. I know, I'm sorry. Amen. <laughs> Amen.